You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Podcast. This is episode number 162 of East Central Indiana's Favorite Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Morrill. Today I'm joined by producer Chris Guffey and Hello. co-host Dakota Davis. Today's episode features the two of us. This is episode number two in the candidate series for the 2020 primaries for the Democrat and Republican parties. Uh, we are featuring our special guest today is Mr. Kim Cronk, who is a sitting commissioner um, last week we had on Bobby Plummer. This week we are moving forward again with another commissioner show. We're going to be talking to Kim about all things with the role of the commissioner, uh, why he is the best pick in his mind, why he thinks you should vote for him. He's got to be making the case. We're also going to be talking to him once again about Memorial Park and the Henry County Jail, of course, and then some inside baseball with Henry County politics. But uh, all politics are local, and you have a county just like ours, no matter where in the country you live. So make sure you stick around for this episode. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully you'll always learn something new. Uh, this episode is sponsored, Dakota. That's right. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Wyland's Flowers. Uh, those people did both of our weddings. They did the flowers for both weddings in uh, that have happened in Boss Hog of Liberty Land. Maybe in the future there will be another wedding that they will also provide. Hint, hint, Chris Scuffy. They do all Hello. kinds of good things. They need your support right now. They're open. They have been doing contactless delivery, delivery since before it was cool. They will deliver your flowers, um, and you, you don't even have to, to talk to anybody to do it. If you just want to be complete shut in, they will, you can, <laughs> you can order it on your computer and have to be at the door of whomever you picked. That's right. Or you can send yourself some flowers. That's right. They need to, it's super easy. It's super fast. They are a fantastic service. You have zero excuses to not be buying your wife or significant other flowers at this point. Or they no could, excuse. They could buy you flowers, Kim. Isn't that right? It works both ways. That's right. Anybody can buy flowers. That's correct. So make sure you go place an order and make sure that they know that the folks at Boss Hog of Liberty sent you so that uh, they know that they can get some good feedback from this sponsorship. We just did about uh, 15 minutes of uh, Patreon talk. Uh, myself, Dakota, Kim, and uh, and Chris found out uh, that Chris is not a hoarder. Uh, I had my Raisin Arizona moment, and uh, our friend Zach Bergsham <laughs> went a little crazy on the state of Indiana. That's 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 your primer for Patreon. You can sign up at any level. Uh, go to patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty. Find us all of the episodes are out there. The little bonus content you get. Uh, and we've got four major helpers over there. Craig DaCosta, John Phillips, Christy Avery, and Chris Lamb all donate $50 or more a month to, uh, to the show to help us, uh, help us get on the air and help cover costs. So you guys are amazing as always. That's right. Do we have any, any anything else that we need to take care of? I don't know. You want, to sell, you want to sell some T-shirts or you just want to move nah, on? Yeah, that's right. We do, our T-chip stores are still online. Um, we, 
we are selling our merchandise. It has our logo. It goes tchip.com slash bho one two or three. Chris Guffey will post the links in this episode's comments section to make it super easy for you, but that's where you get your merchandise. So we are joined tonight by uh, by Kim Cronk. He's the county commissioner uh, for the Middle District. Last week, you had uh, on the show Bobby Plummer, who is running for the Southern District County Commissioner seat. Uh, Kim is running in the Middle District. Uh, and just like last time, the entire county votes in your race. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So you've been uh, you've been is this uh, a few terms now in in this seat? Is this, you're running for your third this fourth. fourth term? Yes. And then previously you were, uh, if I remember right, uh, school board member in Shenandoah. Yeah, I started out as school board member at Shenandoah for six years, and I uh, was on the sheriff's department at that time. Uh, then ran for county council and served on the county council and. County, county sheriff and yep. county commissioner, and then you had a full eight ter- eight year term as as county sheriff. That's correct. Yep. Um, all right. We're gonna Dakota is gonna help you out with the mic. That way we can okay. get uh, okay get you, get you on there. Uh, so tell us about the role. Just a high view of county commissioner. Just paint the picture of what you're you've sat in the role now for looking for your looking for the fourth term. What's it? What's the life of a commissioner? Life of Commissioner basically to take all the complaints that come in for county government and uh, um, we serve as the, what we call the executive, or what the state calls the executive uh, of the county, but I don't really look at it that way. We're just a working part of the county and we try to help deal with the public to make the community better and uh, deal with the problems that come in and so assist our citizens. Is it personally <laughs> offensive when there's something called Henry County Pothole available at Weenie World? <laughs> is it too much no it's no not. If, if you hang out if you hang out in the facebook group uh, uh citizens of henry county then kim cronk is the guy that you tag to report a pothole that's true i, I receive all the pothole complaints in the county countywide and do our best to get them fixed but there's a lot of roads there's, in henry county especially from about uh january february through about this time of the year when you're finishing the freeze thaw cycle that's it's the, uh, the the roads explode on you. Oh, that's right. It's like three o'clock in the morning when someone wants to complain about a pothole, have a complaint. <laughs> they'll they'll ding me on my phone and it'll wake me up. They won't call you anymore though, no, right? Now yeah, your, your right. house phone doesn't ring. They right, just tag you on right, Facebook. Right. Usually, uh, if I need to discuss with them, I'll have them call me. <laughs> yeah. So that's true. I'm that's glad right. you guys that's noticed a, that. Yeah. <laughs> my my wife's grandmother says every year I I I call Kim Cronk and have him take care of the potholes in front of the house. She she makes sure that it gets done every year, and you know it works. Whatever you're doing, like the potholes always get filled. I'll, I'll say that. Oh, I have to come in front it. of my house anyway. Maybe you just uh, show favoritism towards Kathy Painter. I don't God. know. <laughs> no, we try to we try to accommodate the best we can, but the, there's so many potholes in every county, including ours, that you yeah. try to get them. We have to commend our highway department for the hard work they do. We have an extreme amount of miles of county road yes. for the amount of population that we have. That's correct. And that's something that in earlier episodes, um, Councilman Clay Morgan, he hammered on that topic a lot with um, in the finances of county government and how much that it, that takes um, with our relatively small income bracket here in the county and relatively small amount of people just right taxpayers in general you just try to do your best with the money you got 
So you, your background is, um, like Jeremiah said, school board, but then also you were the sheriff. That's correct. Right. Um, now how many years were you the sheriff? I was sheriff for eight years. I served on the sheriff's department for 38 years in Ooh. various different capacities. And so, I hate to say that because that makes me look old. <laughs> I guess I am old. <laughs> Older. Yeah. 38 years. And then, so when you retired, was that when you decided to get, run for commissioner or was it before you no. retired? You, under state law and the, prior to that, you could serve both, be employee of a, of a government entity and serve as an elected official. And you, I served as a commissioner for two terms in council and on school board while I was a county employee, yes. Yeah, okay. So when, take me back, the, those all those years ago, whenever you first decided to run for commissioner and Tell me why you decided to run. Right. Well, I was just leaving the, uh, uh, after I finished my term as commissioner, I went back to, uh, in charge of investigations of the sheriff's department and I maintained elected position for several years. And I decided to run for commissioner at that point to continue my service to the, to the citizens of the county. And that's the, the way I wanted to accomplish that. All right. Wait on you for yeah no it's a, it, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's it's not all linear right so you've been you've you've had you just, discontinuous terms as commissioner that's right correct. is that yeah. is, the, is that's the way that's, that that fits that's together um, I don't have it all memorized so that's why I was trying to remember because I remember at one point you were council not I mean I don't know twelve ten fifteen years ago somewhere yes. in that range you served on the council as yes. well uh, so I was trying to do the math of four I remember you being sheriff so then you were you were commissioner before you were even sheriff is that right as well or was it the uh, other side of it the other side. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm on track now. Um, all right. So let's speed things ahead to what, what you've been dealing with now at, as commissioner. And we were talking a little bit off, off the air of COVID and, and on the Patreon, uh, the Patreon side, we've had this conversation. Um, you determine, uh, county ordinances. That's correct. Uh, sorry. Dakota's needs something. Yeah. He didn't bring a pen with him. That is yeah. shameful. I know. Just truly shameful. Um, you've, I'm sure you've never dealt with a pandemic like this. You know, no, nobody has. So you all of a sudden got you and, and Commissioner Ed and Commissioner Ed uh, found yourself dealing with, hey, you are the first enforcement agency or the county executive deciding what's open, what's not open. And before the state stepped in, it, the county wound up coming out with an ordinance the March 23rd. That's correct. Um, that was a 60 day ordinance. Right. It's not an easy spot to be in. Help, help me understand how, how you go from, Hey, this wave is coming to here's, here's what the County's going to do to take action. And how do you, how do you make those decisions? Cause this is probably, I don't know if people have been discussing it, but it's one of the biggest issues that the biggest ways County government has touched people this year is, is the role of the commissioner in this way. Right. Well, it took a large amount of discussion and meetings with the Henry County Health Department. We had to correspond with the uh, State Department of Health, the governor's office, before he came out with his uh, uh, his rules and tried to coordinate them the best we could and try to accommodate it to our community the best we could, trying to minimize the damage that w- they would do to our community. And we knew it was going to be very traumatic, uh, closing businesses and uh, trying to limit the uh, public's access to the community and luckily we have a good health department and they they came up with a 
preliminary plan and through our attorney, Joel Harvey, we was able to develop what we felt was a fair plan. And before the state put their ordinance in, there was about a week and a half, two weeks period of time where your group was basically in charge of enforcement more than the state was. That's correct. So it, it became the commissioner's responsibility. You guys were the ones having to field calls of, Hey, so-and-so is open and you're, you're kind of having to, to split the, oh, <laughs> split the atom, right? Right. So-and-so is open and I don't think they're essential. Well, they think they're essential and having to, right. the, the Pandora's box that got open there all of a sudden, it's just, right. it, that's, that's the part that I just think is, it was very, is, is incredible. The first day was very difficult. I, I, I didn't count the calls, but probably five or 600 at least Yeah, people were scared and they're still scared. And it is, no one knows what's going to happen and it's starting to go back to normal a little, but people are still concerned and that we have to weigh the balance. And then you, you look at the criteria that's set out by the governor and by our health department, whether they're essential or non-essential. We had, we tried to be as cooperative as we can. And I think it worked out, but there were several times that, uh, Oh, business owners would call us, family members call us, and they would be upset and crying and stuff. And they was, they, they just didn't want to do, what to do. So, and we tried to help them through that. And even if it meant counseling for the people, we directed them to the location or to a uh, counselor to try to help them. The, the sticking point that I personally had was the amount of time where a lot of communities had said, Hey, we're going to go two weeks at a time or we're going to go four weeks. Henry County, said, hey, no, we're going to go through May 24th, I think, or March 23rd, May 23rd, May 23rd. which is, I guess now we're celebrating that. That's like uh, to the, this week. Yeah. It would have been, yeah. We're coming up on the anniversary of when, <laughs> when it was all going to be But at free. that time, it was eight weeks away. That's correct. Right. To, well, help us with the logic of, hey, how did you guys arrive at that date? Right. Well, in the meeting we had with the health department and uh, the mayor and several people were there, we discussed the length of the uh, ordinance. And it was Dr. Miller that made the recommendation that we go lengthy so we don't have to amend the ordinance and have several ordinances that change and stuff. So we had a, I guess, a status quo. And knowing that uh, the 23rd, May the 23rd, is was a long period. However, the pretext was that we could, uh, you could dissolve the ordinance right away when it needed to be done. And that's, I guess, unfortunately, it's went almost the 23rd and we're still dealing with it. And, but we have done away with our ordinance and, and went to the governor's orders. So, so basically right. about a week and a half ago, the right. County rescinded the ordinance That's correct. and now we're following with the States. That's states correct. Well, r- I think that, so that was a, what you just brought up was a big point because whenever I first heard it, May 23rd, I thought, uh, I mean, I, it just kind of blew me away right. that, that we had gone, that we had decided to go eight weeks with the, but the governor, at that time was still operating in two week increments. Right. And I thought, why are, why are we, you know, why are we skipping so far ahead, especially being such a rural community? Right. And, you know, most people are pretty spaced out. Obviously we have some industry in the County where that sure. is difficult, but, um, and then I found out that, you know, the commissioners could rescind at any time. Right. And I thought, well, and I, and I kind of had, you know, just being involved in, in just kind of, being on the sidelines of local politics for a while is like, okay, they're, they're making this ordinance right now for eight weeks. And you can correct me if my, if I'm wrong, but this was my assumption at the time was that they're making this ordinance right now with, uh, with the assumption that in the future, the governor is going to have a plan, a concrete right. plan. And they want to make sure that they have got 
they have got their rules in place for the duration of that, and That's they don't correct. they don't have to make it again. That's correct. Okay, and that was our that was our opinion at that point. Now, when the mayor or the governor come out with his first news conference, you know, you could when you watched it, you interpreted it one way. When you got the hard copy. It was totally different than yeah. there was a, there was the, a, the first news conference sounded like we were on lockdown. That's lockdown. right. It yeah. sound, but when you got the written copies, it exempted certain things in, in county governments, and they yeah. threw it back up on the locals. Yeah, and that's what made it more difficult. So. Have you become a golfing expert? Expert? I here lately? Bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a topic that's been more in the like. I don't know if it's the easiest for folks to comprehend or what, but all of a sudden. The ordinance became, well, why the hell can they golf? And they're not golfing the right way. And and <laughs> I was I thought, well, shoot, now here they go again. Now they now they got to decide this one. So how did that process go? That was the most difficult process, <laughs> I promise. Because obviously, all of the politicians are massive golfers, and you're looking out for the golfers. That's uh, that's why that's why that's set up yeah, that way, right? Well, I'm not a golfer, but uh, <laughs> from the beginning, that was a, a bone of contention with the doctor. And he wanted to put restrictions on, and there was a commissioner, more than one, that didn't, that didn't necessarily agree with it. But we were at the point that we were going to try things. If we need to change them, we would, and that's why we tried it to start with, because we knew no details of how you caught the virus, and things have changed a lot from the beginning. And I, our goal was to change it to protect it by the public safety, and we didn't want people dying and stuff, and we didn't know, and that's what we learned. And we loosened up our rules. And also, if you looked in the state rules, they didn't restrict certain elements of the uh, golf carts. And but we did, and that's that was the bone of contention. And I understand. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not saying I agreed 100, percent but we voted for that at the recommendation at the health. Well, right. that was uh, one. That's one thing we. That was a big topic on this, uh, or I guess subtopic on this topic of discussion on episode 161 with Bobby Plummer. Um, was cost benefit analysis was how much what what is the benefit of keeping these things closed and is it worth it to the people who uh, who are running these businesses or is it worth the mental anguish for the citizens of the county to to deal with them because there there's a, a there is a major cost to keeping things shut down versus having them opened up but you know i think that and I commended the governor big time with his plan, especially whenever you look at other states and they don't have dates. They right. might have set stages, right. but we have concrete dates that we can look forward to in the future right. as long as we don't fall back on those. And <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the governor's press conference Wednesday. All of the dates are in pencil. Yeah. They, yeah. He very clearly said that they're in pencil. Well, like they're I, not like, concrete. They're like we said uh, in the Patreon portion, that was a, uh, Especially this weekend, they they set the date, and then everyone started freaking out. Going, you're seriously going to open this? Like you're you're going to set the next stage the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend? Well, they that was the big complaint that people had right. when he announced the stages before. Is hey, you're right. you know you're you're allowing certain things to open during Memorial Day weekend? You're killing us here, and that was my big complaint before he announced the reopening strategy. Right. Was hey, as far as people know. On Saturday, this was the Thursday that he announced it. On Saturday, everything's open again. Everything's legal again. Malls are reopening. Right. You haven't told us what you want to do, and and it's the un 
my two complaints that I have for the governor and the way he's handled things are if he's been unclear or he's gotten to something and not told you what they're going to do, or if he says one thing and then he changes it, businesses demand predictability. Right. And that's for staffing for everything else. And if it's unpredictable, you just, you just start to, but that's why I wanted to give you guys a, a kudos for following in the, for just adopting the state guidelines. Right. And that was our intent. But we didn't know what that was going to happen. We didn't know if it was going to happen. And we had to do something for our community because we didn't want people dying. We didn't know what was causing yeah. it again. And, the, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a different spot. It's I a don't tough spot to be in. in that. And people don't realize on the local level that decisions like that can be that uh, detrimental to our community. But again, yeah. and that's like the nursing home issues and the prison and the jails and things like that. You know, everybody's got families. Everybody lives here. And we got to protect the citizens. And that's, I got calls and people say, well, we don't agree with the 23rd. Yeah. But all we ask is, and people, many people said this, all you guys maintain a level head and protect us. <laughs> yeah. And we respect that. Yeah. Yeah. We may not agree, but we well, respect it, it, it is, yeah. you know, it, it is, it was a kind of freaky whenever I, yeah, I mean, like I said, if I hadn't been involved and kind of have seen the thought process of local government or the wheels turning in local government, it, I mean, it freaked me out anyway that it was the 23rd. And then I sat down and thought about it. And it's like, mm. I, I knew it. I knew where it was going and I knew why. But it was still like, man, the 23rd, like eight weeks. That's a long time. I can say I was definitely one of those calls to well, I just get ready. <laughs> I just get ready to say Chris Guffey was one of my first I calls. Sure, I sure was. I, he says, I need you to come on, boss. Now. I was like, I was like hey, listen, Kim, we got to talk about this. He's like, call me. I'm like, all right. <laughs> he did. And I said, I would rather the health department come on and give their side of the story because they're handling the situation with us and they have more knowledge on the, the, the health issues and stuff associated with it. So. But Chris was one of the first people. Absolutely, I agree. that's good. Oh, though. we got the number. That's, we got the number. That's right. <laughs> All right. So let's let's pivot from the from the COVID side and look look back at something in the time that you've been a commissioner. Uh, land use has been a big conversation, right? So ordinances are another big part of it, uh, and the commissioners have um, influence over the planning commission as well. The commissioners have an, have appointments to the planning commission, that's and the correct. commissioner serves there. Uh, and something in the last five years before the wind conversation happened, there was another big conversation that took place in our community. Uh, and that was with animal feeding operations. That's correct. And that was, there was a moratorium, nothing was happening. The planning commission and the commissioners worked together and developed a scorecard. Um, and I, I want to hear how, how you viewed that controversy, that process and how that's working now, looking back in the past and then, have that conversation and look at how that could maybe be used in other areas or if you think there are other opportunities for scorecards. Well, when I first come on a commissioner, one of the major controversial issues was the CAFOs. And we got complaints that they felt the farmers at least need to felt that there should be a different process developed because it was turning into major controversy. And we established a committee involving members of the public and the farmers and uh, uh, city people, too, to review and to, to come up with a uh, uh, scoring procedure and to run it through the planning commission and to make the decisions. And they developed it, and 
I think it's been eight or nine years ago. Yeah, it's been. And it's been a substantial time ago, and I think we've only had one case that we've had to score, and Darren Jacobs from the Planning Commission scored it. And there's different levels. They have to meet certain criteria, such as setbacks from residences, church, and other criteria. And they have to score a minimum of 300 to proceed to the next step. And once if they score enough to get to 400, then Darren can issue a permit through his office. Without having to be reviewed or Right. Then if if they don't get to there, then it has to go to the Planning Commission for review of the process. So what that... In my mind, what that process does is it depoliticizes some of the that's correct some of the emotion that happens. Right, there. we try to move the politics out of it and try to go to more uh, uh, straightforward procedures. Now, even Purdue and, and other entities in the in the uh, state has called and got copies of our ordinance and stuff, and that they're adopting similar things that we're doing or have done. other counties of that's correct. In the scoring systems. All right, so that one you consider a success? Yes. Um, so far. So far, okay, I'm this, sure there's 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 pros and cons. I'm sure, but do you think there should be any the 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 last two county commissioner cycles, 2016 and 2018, wind was the biggest issue and wind ordinances. At, with COVID, I don't know that it's been as front and center this cycle as it has been in the past. Right. Um, do you you there was a change made to a wind ordinance two years ago? Do you anticipate any additional changes? in the next four years in this term, if you're serving or. Well, every ordinance we have periodically should be reviewed and like, uh, the data and the information concerning, uh, health, et cetera, changes. And we need to review all of them and receive input from, uh, the experts and the public regarding those and, and the changes. So even the CAFO, uh, ordinance, we need to review. If the land use these ordinances, we we all we need to review those periodically too because times change. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anything else on land use, Dakota? Uh, I don't think so. Um, an asphalt plant can you? Soon? I mean, is we there, get an asphalt plant anytime soon? Well, see, <laughs> there's other issues that has. When I, the that's asphalt, another big one that got a, tossed in the uh, planning. Uh, that's an old was, one. That you? was an old one, but that, that we'll play the hits here. Kim. That was very controversial, <laughs> and the is, the planning commission. Did rule 100% in favor of the asphalt plant. And I'm not against the asphalt plant. It came to the commissioners, and Ed Yenis was on the planning commission. He voted for it. We got to the hearing at the commissioners, and we received input. And again, it was it was packed. Yep. And the public was not in favor. That's correct. And the location was the factor. And it was near a housing district in, in that area. The commissioners overturned the decision of the uh, planning commission at that time, and we turned it down. And Ed Dennis, he, he voted against it, so Bill Cross. Right. Yes. <laughs> that was another problem. But it, there was another one that was the ethanol plant out here on North Town. North yeah. Town, yes. And it's, you know, it's important. that kind of stinks. Yeah, it's, good you, to, it's good to know you can pack a room from time to time, isn't it? Kim? Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's difficult, I promise you. But, have, you oh, yeah. have you driven around ethanol plants? Like, they actually, I personally think that they smell very good. Like, I really actually enjoy right. the smell of an ethanol plant. It's a weird thing. Right. I don't know why, but it, it's there. Right. It's kind of off topic, but. Yeah. Right. And I, I have nothing against the ethanol plants and all, all the asphalt plant. Matter of fact, the asphalt plant probably would, would it, be, be a great asset to we, us right yeah. now. We've actually talked about that a lot on this show about um, 
how big of an asset that would be for our county. If sure. you want to keep complaining about roads, then you shouldn't have been against the asphalt plant. Uh, I understand that. Um, especially sending our highway department up to Delaware County to go get uh, hot asphalt well, instead of cold pack. If you're north, you go one location. You go yeah. South, you yeah, go to, that's true. to Rush County. and <laughs> You have to go different places. That's true. The ones that get patched on my road probably come from Rush right. County. So. Well, I think <laughs> if it would come up again in a different location, there's a high probability it would pass. I was yeah, at that I, location. It was the issue. I was at that meeting, and then ultimately it was because it was between Spiceland and Newcastle on right. the State Road Three corridor. Right, and it was it wasn't in the industrial park. It was right. It, it was. Just, we can we can put it that and the ethanol plant right next to the generating facility on Thirty Eight by my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, NIMBY, NIMBY strikes not in my backyard. <laughs> well, no. honestly, I'm I'm not sure that. The asphalt plant could be an issue. I'm not sure about the ethanol plant because you know I'm not. Sure I'm from a farming family, and that's that's that's. I don't think that's a. Can you one one more thing on land use? Can, can you do away with the the five acre rule for raising chickens? I I did hear that, Monday night the city council was was starting to take this up. The Newcastle city council was starting to yeah. talk about a, a num- limited number. Our, of our friend Aaron Dickin, who we keep blaming for the situation in Newcastle, is the one that actually brought it up. We're getting things done here. Well, you know that's why. good, but I was an enforcement officer for the town of Spiceland when they had their controversy <laughs> for the chickens, and it's it's quite a controversial thing. Now, a small amount of chickens may be okay, but we also get complaints, we did, that Wayne County and other counties have big CAFO chicken facilities, and they bring the manure to, to uh, Henry chickens, County. Chickens it's not are good. pretty yeah, gross. They're yeah, a pretty yeah. gross animal. I would, but I would encourage the county to look at it and say, "Hey, if you're a residential family, if you want to have four to six hens, you know, then let them have it. If you have, shoot, you can even ban roosters. I don't yeah, care. Just, right. just hens only. But well, outside the city limits, we we don't have a ban on them. I think. Well, the zoning says yeah, that you have to have five acres five to have acres. any livestock. Right now, we consider well, them to be livestock. Well, I was going to so say you this, consider them to be livestock for sure. Yeah, we consider them livestock. It can't be livestock. pets. No, well, I mean, mm, it could be an emotional support. These are my. <laughs> it could be an emotional support chicken. Well, that's right. Uh, I get depressed maybe, if I don't. Maybe, eat maybe eggs. we just heard the loophole right here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wink, wink. If you got your emotional support chickens, there will be no enforcement. Now I can see Dakota in going to the city council meeting with these pet pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, that won't work. That won't work. There was a lady who tried to claim an emotional emotional support pig. Well, and the city it. made her get rid of. Well, it. that was the city's rules. We just heard that the that was sad. Whatever the happens, might be a little different. Yeah. Whatever, ha- yeah. The well, let's be honest. The city is Democrat controlled, so hmm, it's a little bit different. But did, whatever happened to that pig? Do you know, Chris? Uh, it was probably put down bacon. That's kind of sad. I heard bacon. That's the rumor I heard. That poor lady. It was, it was being Demo- Democrat control. What's, what's the opinion of the Democrats on the chickens? Well, they're just a more oppressive regime. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I had to think sure. about the Republican stand on that. I'm pretty sure I heard uh, I, I heard a, some sort of a, a chicken waterboarding type threat from Councilman Walden, where he's talking about ammonia on a 
Like yeah, ammonia on a blanket I, over I your head. That, I mean, it was very, I it sounded the, very aggressive. The I don't quote know. quote from Walden was something like, if you want chickens, then go put an ammonia-soaked rag over your head because that's basically <laughs> the same thing as cleaning out a chicken coop. It is bad. They are pretty gross. But yes. you can choose to do that if you want to. I, all I know is that folks tried to go to the grocery store a couple months ago and you couldn't find eggs at the Aldi. No. Well, that was but my if you had thing. five or six hens at home, then you've got as many eggs as you can stand for your family and you can give them out to your friends. In, in light of and it's the great coronavirus, just ask any local butcher or any person that raises livestock right now. They're totally swamped with orders. I heard that uh, there, was, there was one butcher shop that in Henry County that was backed up six months now. And that's lucky. Yeah, I talked talk to the guy yesterday, and he made his appointment. And they said two years if you're lucky. Wow. And, yeah, and that's I I've been saying the last the last month or so. I think the the best small business opportunity right now is probably to open up a butcher house. <laughs> I've had two calls on that. Yeah, we should want to know uh, the criteria for to open up the butcher houses in. What do we need? You know, if you talk to your grandparents, who's state regulated? Oh my gosh! If you talk to your grandparents, what happened to home rule, man? Let's go. Uh, They were. You got to bribe a couple. You got to bribe Aaron Dickin (laughs) and 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 Darren Jacobs, and we're good to go. Well, I think we need to bring Aaron Dickin in to answer these questions. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron's been here three or four times. I know, but you didn't ask him that question. I bet. About uh, about the slaughterhouse? Yes. Well, next time. I'll put uh, it on the top okay. of the list. Kim said we need to can. ask you about a slaughterhouse at, <laughs> okay. uh, at, at Maine and Riley. Uh, uh, there's an empty there's an empty mm. house there. There used to be a dentist office that we could we could tear down and build a right. build a microprocessing yeah. facility. Right. In reality it really, it is okay. a big problem that we're facing. Yeah. And there's gonna yeah. be a shortage of we uh, need to eat. meat. You know, this. if in the, like if you talk to my grandparents, Jeremiah's grandparents, they're no longer with us. You know, then you probably heard stories of them being raised, and their family had a milking cow that they would have inseminated and give birth, and then once the calf was old enough, then they would either sell it or try to have another dairy cow, and then the older one would get butchered, and they would also have chickens and have a garden. I don't know how. Are your, we going? Your Are grandparents we, grew up, but we had mine had a real ranch in South Dakota. There was no, no insemination. There, there were bulls involved. No, not was, my family. <laughs> we, our, my family just had like small areas of land, and they 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 weren't high on the hog, so to speak. But that I, I wonder often if we're getting back to that because I see all of my friends um, talking about gardening. Um, I've been reached out to probably two or three times about how to get into hunting. Uh, that's, I think, I think we're going to, I think people are, this has kind of woken a lot of people to the fact that our, our food supply is not as stable as what you thought it was. People, you know, you go to the grocery store and your food is there, but that can slip away at a moment's notice right. and you need to be able to feed your family. Right. And yeah. you know what? Chickens are a great way to do that. Yeah. They're easy and they don't take up a lot of space, Aaron. Right. Well, when, I, when I was showing cattle with my family, we raised steers and we would show them in the show arena. Then we go to, M- I think it was Emge. Yep. And they would in slaughter, Anderson. And slaughter them. We also went to Chicago and we won several contests with that. And that's that was part of the our showing projects. And that's it's hard to do, but the, that's, right. that we learned from that. So. Absolutely. Yes. And it, it is kind of disheartening to go into Walmart and all the meat counters are empty. Yeah. And I've seen that twice. Yes. It's kind of scary. Yeah. It, it is. is. It is not something we expected. My family has put, we have put more 
meat in our freezer in the form of fish. We've been going to Summit Lake and cleaning out the perch and, and bass, and we've been we've been feeding feeding with uh, with fish because you we're able to do it. I guess that's the uh, that's the option. But it'd be nice to be able to add some eggs and chicken into that's it too. True. You know that was the big controversy when we was doing the restrictions. Are you closing the parks? Are you closing the walking trails? Well, if we close the parks and the walking trail, all we do is confine more people, and we're going to increase domestic suicides and other situations. Yeah. Yeah. It's called mental disorder. Wait, all never, of a we, sudden, a, a woman in a bad net situation is stuck in her house with a domestic abuser. That's correct. That's correct. In Indianapolis, when this is going on, first started, domestic and female police officer gets shot and killed. Yep. Well, yep. I can't say that was the, tri- the but it factor, but it yeah. happened, and it could be a contributing factor. Yeah. And we're putting our police officers and our first responders in danger by doing that. So that's why we didn't close our parks and our trails. Well, the more the more items that got restricted, the more folks said, okay, I'm going to go do something else. So right. when when parks – when you can't go to the gym, then people start going to the park. And right. then when the parks start to get restricted, they say, okay, I'm going to go camping. Well, the camping gets closed down. Right. So the next thing you know, you go to Summit Lake and there's 300 boats out in the water that's because right. there's no gate fee – and it's the one thing you could do. And the golf courses get busy. The more you restrict, the more folks say, okay, I'm going to do right. this other thing. That's right. And people are still going to find entertainment. Right. You can only do so much to control them, and they're only going to be, we'll say, compliant for so long before they're going to find something to do. That's right. My Memorial Park, probably our activity was the greatest. It's been a long time. Yeah. I, there was days that I, I went out there every day. There was cars circled the water. There was people fishing and just people doing things. Even though they couldn't use the campground, they had something to do. And we had walkers and stuff. Yep. Speaking about Memorial Park, well, we'll go ahead and tackle this section. I got my The the Memorial Park Board has been, there's been a lot of drama associated with the park board in the past couple of years. You know, it it seemed like it kind of started... As soon as Jeremiah left, no, no, the drama was there before. <laughs> Probably when I got appointed. Yeah, when you when you got a, with the, it started. I mean, we really started hearing a lot about it with the Doughboy statue, and then it just it just started a, a giant avalanche from there. Uh, my the biggest question we have for someone in your position is number one: just uh, are you happy with the current direction of the park? Or would you like to? Would you like to see other changes? I don't like the controversy. No, I haven't been, but to one meeting in a year, and that one park into, board meeting. Yes, and that turned into controversy. But you know, we're at the point we all need to be working together, and we need to stop the controversy because we're trying to. We probably got one of the nicest parks, or could have one of the nicest parks in the state of Indiana. And yeah. the controversy is hurting the park, and we need to stop. And the volunteerism is great, but we, we're getting to the point that the volunteerism is getting run away because of the controversy. And we need to stop. And we point the park board. And our intent was never to cause controversy on the park board. And Jeremiah's been on it. Yep. And there was controversy for, there's been controversy for 25 years. Absolutely. So some aspect of it. It, it. It's competition. And like the, Cattle people, the show people, individuals, and different other organizations, they they compete for the space and stuff, and they're proud of it, but it gets a little aggravating to see people fighting. And if there was a magic solution, that would be great. And Jeremiah's been there, so what is the magic solution? <laughs> we've got we've got a lot of stakeholders out there, Kim. You know, you've got the 
you've got the expo center, you've got the veterans group, you've got the actual park board, you've got the 501c3 that benefits the park board. Um, you've got, it's just, you, you've got a number of volunteer groups that come out. You've got people that, uh, that rent regularly out there. The saddle club is, has lease, you know, has leases. So you've got multiple, you've got an alphabet soup of different groups that are, that are serving. Um, it's not easy. (laughs) It's, it's, it's not, it's not easy. And I'm not sure that we've, we've got a complete cohesive direction. I'm I'm not sure we do either. And when we, before the expo started, we went to Greenwood and looked at their facility and 4-H facilities and how they was doing stuff and trying to get some example, how we could bring everybody together. And uh, we haven't got there yet. And I'm I'm not sure how to get to the next step. Now I know I I will say the expo center is, is moving forward with the the area that's funded. So one of the two buildings that they've got designed or is going to get built, they've got a contractor hired and that's going to happen. Um, You know, the monument's been refurbished and relocated the veterans museum, I, a lease is either very close to being done or is in place for the for the downstairs space. I read it the other day. Yes, it's it's close. Yeah, so progress is being made right. on all of these. The Saddle Club's got another long term lease, sure. So where they're they're set, so things are progressing. Things are right. working forward, and and there has been investment out in the park as well. Right. The, the Smith Building has been remodeled in the last year, right? And it, we're not finished yet, but hopefully in the next we got the state done their inspection last week. And we passed except for two things and it's very, very minor. Yeah. And yeah. It, the inspection will be done and we're going to pave the west side parking lot and that, so people can come into the west door. That'll be the main entrance of the Smith building. Have you been in there? Yeah, I have. I did. We, uh, before, after the building opened and before all 4-H activities were prohibited, we did have a single junior leader meeting out there sure. probably, I guess it would have been February. Sure. February or very early March. Uh, so I got a chance to to look in there. It looks great. The facility. Yeah, I know. We're we're very impressed, and we'll have an open house so everybody can come in and see it. And, mm. uh, the uh, cafeteria area, or the kitchen area, is very nice, attached to the upstairs, and pretty impressive, really. Yep. So, so progress has been made. Oh, sure. and then uh, the other stakeholder I said is the golf course, right? So the golf course right. was sold, and that's a third party deal right. as well now. So. You've just there are so many dynamics. People drive by and see the park and say, "Oh gosh, it's the park," but then. Right you realize that if you have all of the stakeholders and they're all boards, it's not just one person that's in charge, but there, there are probably 50 people that are on a board that is tied to something in that park. That's correct. It's not, uh, Congress doesn't agree. And by the way, they're almost all volunteers too. That's right. (laughs) They they all are volunteers. And that's what makes it difficult. And the funding sources for the park is tight. You know that. Oh yeah. And it's getting worse. And we got to find alternatives. If they're donations, well, it's not going to, it's not going to survive. And that's, that's what we got to work on. And that's the strategy that you've seen in place is <coughs> right. that the uh, different portions of the park have been leased to organizations that are responsible for the maintenance and driving them forward. Right. So the saddle club takes care of the saddle club grounds and the maintenance and the buildings and the, and the infrastructure. Right. Uh, for that area, the expo board handles the new county fairground space. Right. You still on the board? I am not. No, I'm not you on that board. You help direct that. Draw the rules I, and stuff up. I helped get started and, yes. and served about a year, and then that was it, the, it, the end of my time. It's a slow process, and it, it takes money, and they're, they're they're fundraising, and they have got substantial money. Yep. And I'm not sure they got enough to cover it all yet, but this virus is going to slow it down, I'm sure. But they are getting ready to start on the uh, uh, new shelter, the Phillips shelter that was at the top of the hill down by the Saddle Club, is going to the uh, south 
west corner, and there'll be restrooms actually in that shelter, and it'll be a nice facility. So, And that should hopefully by the middle of June be finished. Very good. You good with the Doughboy? No, no, no changes to the Doughboy. No second Doughboy. Second uh, or that's third. That's a topic I didn't get involved in. <laughs> that's it. And then I, I value everybody's opinion on that. And, and, you know, I respect everybody's opinion. So, and well, some opinions, but we understand. We have a, <laughs> there's a, there's a council member that's saying that he wants the Doughboy move back now, but. He's the council, and they can't do anything about the Doughboy. A council candidate or a council, council member? Council candidate, I think. A council candidate. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Did I say member? Yeah. You did. Oh. Yeah, I'm a candidate. Yeah. That's not a county council issue. Really. Yeah. yeah. They they have funding, right? That's the right. That's yeah. done through all donations, though. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. So the ultimately, and that's this is the nuance of understanding county government is is mind numbing sometimes, but. There are three county commissioners, and they th- the county commissioners appoint a five-member board That's correct. over the park, That's correct. and then they hire a superintendent who reports to them, right. uh, but then purchase orders and expenses get approved by the commissioners again, right. so it's the system of checks, checks and, and balances balance. that are there. Right. So it is, uh, if you want something simple and one person to be able to be in charge, then don't ask government to do it. <laughs> well, that's, hard. that's like the Smith it's, building. Yeah. The, the construction or renovation cost was almost $830,000. We had to cut down to 640,000. So we had to make some cuts because we, we don't go over because that's all the you money had to we got. Take some right. of the skylights out. That, yeah. We had to take some of the skylights <laughs> and other things out. So the, uh, we had to live within our budget. The Ed Tarantino jacuzzi did not make the cut. I, he was, he was really, are advocating. you sure about that? Well, I guess I didn't look in that other, the old spare bathroom, yeah, 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 yeah. but the men's room and the women's room didn't have the jacuzzi that I no, thought he was going to no, get put in there. So no. I don't know. Ed lost out on that one. Right. But we do have ADA, ADA facilities and that's good. Yes. Yeah, yes. uh, Ed tracks me as more of a sauna man, not a, <laughs> not a jacuzzi man. But we wouldn't go tell the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then um, I'm going to move back up here. I have a couple more questions okay. on our show notes. Um, so uh, two questions in one statement. Describe your vision if you're elected for the future of Henry County. Well, my vision is to work with the EDC like we have, and usually I go through the each step that we've taken in the last six or eight years and progressed in the future, but we have to work with the Corey Murphy and the EDC Commission, the RDC, to try to draw more business here. But we also, like the Memorial Park, we need to make try to enhance the quality of life for our community and stuff. Used to, you go solicit businesses and bring them in and offer tax abatements and stuff, the council and stuff, but they're trying to get us to go away from that. The better we can... Who's they? The council or the state or the the state in in the EDC. Right. You know. Right. I go to training... Well, it starts to sound like Mel Gibson and conspiracy theories. I go to conferences through Nine Star across the United States. In many communities, they're telling us uh, economic development, the leadership is telling us work on improving your quality of life in your community, and they will come. Like the mayor's working on the Broad Street project. Right. That is a positive. Still got a lot of work to do. If the expo or any facility in the parks that we can increase or uh, make better and make an attraction. Show off the assets people, instead right, of instead right. of d- dropping the tax right. taxes right. and luring That's somebody right. in. We've got to improve our quality of life. Right. And walking trails. 
that's a big asset to our community. And I should probably walk them a lot more. So should Jeremiah. <laughs> we, we all should. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's right. And that's, oh, well, I'll tell you what I live, I live in Henry County. Right. And I had this dream that I was going to be able to walk from my house uh, down the, the new walking trail all the way to Riley road and beyond <laughs> and get to, and get to all of the mm-hmm. trails. And then they stopped the, uh, stopped the walking path about 800 feet short. So I got to walk on, on main street in the, <laughs> right. in the County. And I kind of got, I like how you one. said walking path and not sidewalk. It's a walking path because it's <laughs> asphalt. It's not concrete. God, we, we found every controversy possible tonight. This go. is going well. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, before the virus, I was walking this five miles a day, but I was walking it at Walmart. Yep. Kroger. Meyer, what Walmart, Walmart Kim? What Walmart are you? Well, going I went to? to Newcastle some too. Is there a, <laughs> is there a Henry some. County Meyer? I don't know. I don't recognize. No, Henry I, County in Meyer. Anderson, I did that. <laughs> Menards, so, but and I walk the trails, yep. and it's it's good. So yeah, the uh, it, well, we talked about the trails, and we've t- we've talked about parks, and and something we can't commented on in the show is. There are so many different groups and stakeholders involved in in the number of parks we have, right? So you'll get a phone call and say, "Hey, what's going on in Baker Park?" And you say, oh, "That's not me. That's that's the mayor. Call call the city of Newcastle." Right. Memorial Park is the one park that the county controls. Right. Um, you can advocate for and sell. You know, it, when you're doing a pitch and you're trying to bring somebody in, you say, "Hey, we have a state park. We have a Summit Lake State Park. We have uh, Westwood and Westwood, you know, Reservoir. There are a number of items to market in the community, but." Folks don't always understand what board is responsible for. Hey, right. why is the city park closed, but the the county thing's okay? And right. it 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 once again, this COVID deal brought more light to well, who's in charge of this thing, right? And that's that's government, and that, that, you're right. It's, it's it's government bureaucracy, and it gets 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 confusing, very confusing. And the, the more you do it, the more secondhand it becomes, and it's just right. oh yeah, this is what this is. Right. But if you're John Doe, who's just trying to go to the park, right. you don't know that there are five different park systems. Right. That's right. And the good thing about this community is people love our community. And I, I see that every day. And people do thank you for what you do. And, and many of our office holders and our employees and for the park and stuff. And you get complaints too. But all you can do is do your best. And as a elected official, we do it because we love our com- our community. We don't do it for the money. We do it to try to enhance our community so all right so the second uh, i guess that you kind of answered that question um right. would it be safe to assume that that your main uh, kind of focus is uh, just continued economic development in the county or should you be elected again well that's that's one of the priorities uh, enhancing or making roads better in the community be great but we're limited on the uh, funds that we have available we have made progress we've got the uh, We've in the past and current year we got our three million dollars we've got from the state on uh, road money, and you know I just again quality of life is important and that that means a lot today. So, all right, all right. This is a this is a very unique question that I never <clears throat> thought we'd get into on this show, but it, the council made it a, an issue earlier this month, and we talked to Bobby about it. So I want to be fair and ask you as well. Uh, the council unanimously asked for the resignation of the county coroner. Any interaction, feedback, response from the commissioners, uh, from your view as a commissioner to to one county branch asking for the resignation of another county officer or how that should be handled? Right. 
I'm not going to second guess the county council. Right. Uh, there was concerns that was expressed to the county commissioners regarding some of the items, and I don't know what concerns was expressed to them, and I respect the, the opinion they have. I don't know if I agree, but that's I don't know the details. When we got concerns about some stuff that was allegedly going on, we investigated with the health department, checked into it. We met with Mr. Hacker and his wife, and one of them was the opioid, opioid uh, addiction services as far as getting grants and stuff, and there was a question about entering uh, uh, statistics in the, the statewide computer and stuff, and we, we was able to work with him re- regarding that. We worked with the uh, Attorney General's Office and the uh, uh, Coroner's Association trying to see if we were meeting the criteria that they, they was laying forth. And when we left the meeting, everything seemed to be fine, and the commissioner didn't proceed with any other action. If we felt, according to state law, that there was a problem at that point, now that's been a year ago, that we have the right to cut the salary. Okay. And at that time we did not determine that there was reason to cut the salary at that point. So, so that was, that was a, a, that issue a year ago. And then the the action the council took this at this point was in relation to, uh, corner hacker taking a part-time job or a job out of County down in Evansville. Right. And he called me, he he called me and I, I, he said in the paper that he contacted two council members and when I reviewed the state law and talked to the attorney and stuff, I don't think there is a restriction on that. But we we took the perspective that we'll follow the state law on that. So okay, yeah. all right, not yeah, it's, being critical at all. Right, it's it's just a unique like I've paid attention to politics for a long time, sure. and I've never seen I've never seen the situation. Right, um, it's just very it's yeah, it, it it it's hard to know what to make of it, but it's it's definitely different. Right. Um, so I wanted to uh, wanted to see, and then of course it's happening in a pandemic where it's sure it makes yeah, it, it more difficult. And <clears throat> we, the commissioners, are not in that battle, and I don't know what information they have and what how they're making their decisions and stuff. And I have to respect their decisions. Yeah. I have to respect Mr. Hacker's response. I don't know the total response, but uh, that's something for the council and him to work out. And uh, um, hopefully they'll come to a good resolution for said and done. All right. Last last big topic, right? That's right. The last big topic is, of course, the Henry County Jail. It's been a big topic. It was a huge topic whenever Jeremiah was running for county council. Um, It's been in decay for decades at this point, or because we keep hearing that it was an outdated system whenever it was built, right? That's been the talk at every single meeting that the pod system was already going away, right? Or, well... Yeah, the, the system that we have in the current jail was already becoming outdated whenever the jail was built. With the new tax money that we have, because we, uh, I mean, I get less money in my paycheck now because of the... We all do. Yeah. <laughs> so... Cannon um, says it's not that much. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> quarter a day. <laughs> Just a quarter a day. Yeah. Do your part. What, what do you believe is the best... Uh, course of action do you do you like the way that we're headed with building the new jail getting the getting the state land and all that oh definitely there's a little more history to this when i was sheriff the in 1977 i came on the sheriff's department that's when the jail was built the prior jail was over 100 years old wow and did that jail get torn down it got torn down and and this jail is built in the same place that that Mm. jail was Oh, okay. The prototype for the current jail 
was the prototype that was approved by the state of Indiana for jails in the state of Indiana. The pod system at that time was non-existent. And yeah. The, and the, I'm not sure they age. spoke, I think, with the pod system. Yeah, they, yeah. the pod system is a good system. It, it uh, gives direct offer, observation of the inmates in the facility. Um, and that's what we're going to. But there's during the years, there's been several incidents with the jail, but it's not going to be any different. With any other jail, you can have a brand new jail. You're still going to have problems. Like GEO is a newer for prison. Right. They still have problems. And it's just that's that's what's going to happen, and it's the nature of the beast, But unfortunately. But uh, the the cooperation we're getting the state, we've always saved thousands of dollars through the uh, them donating the land. Now we got to get the building, the old administration building at the uh, – uh, state hospital, we've got to uh, tear that down. Uh, we're doing a a environmental f- uh, phase one at this time, and with, there's some asbestos there, and we're going to have to remove that. There's going to be expense with that. But the land is basically for free, and the state's given us that for a dollar. But the condition of that is, if we ever move away from that location, the state gets the land back. And the good thing about the, being where we're putting it is the city has the uh, Infrastructure there for the water, the sewage, because it's adjacent to right. the, the geo facility, right? And minimizing, so the state is going to partner with us on that, those facilities. The state infrastructure money on that too. So that's we're going to assume the road that goes beside the prison back, and we'll be maintaining that as a county road to into the facility. So we're we're still working on that. So, so what kind of a timeline? This is everything moves at the speed of smell in government, right? So. When are we talking about, hey, you've got a budget, this is what we're going to pay, and we're going to start construction, and this is when we're going to move people in? Right. Rough numbers. Estimated start of it, yeah. hopefully by October of this year. Completion date, the middle to end of 2022. Okay. So that's that's we met today, and that's our goal. Yeah, but there's 2022. So, Come on, Kim. We can go out there with some bricks. <laughs> done. I understand, but there's other issues than the steel yeah. In the facility and things like that. And it'll go out to bid hopefully soon. And uh, we're trying to get the criteria ready for the bidding of the project. And we've already got the architects and the we're engineers gonna be hired. Using union labor for that, right? I yes. would hope so. Yes. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna build it to whatever the state law requires. <laughs> there are there are prevailing wages in the community and that's what they that's have right. to use. Right. Um I'll give you an example. There's like books the, for all of it. That's right. Like, like the airport when we Expanded the airport, we used union labor, mm-hmm. the wage level, but we took county employees, gave them union wages to do that with the cooperation of the unions. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's we awesome. all worked together that's to, really save, to save money, and that, yeah, that worked together. We used to have a board, and you, we had to have people. The union wage board. Well, we had to have people sit on that board, and we decided if we that. union or non-union, and unions sometimes won out, sometimes my, they did I, right after high school, I joined the electrical union in Muncie, right. and I worked with a, a, a gentleman um, who was older, and someone asked me to, he was a journeyman, asked me to go go ask him if uh, if he if he knows anything about the, the prison in Newcastle. And I said, hey, have you been to, or were you at the prison in Newcastle project? Because I heard that that was a great job to be on, and he said, Stayed there or worked in it? Because I did both. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Davis Bacon, Davis Bacon wages is union yeah. wages, and that's what we pay. So, so uh, Mike Broyles is in the chat, and he, this is the same uh, thing that we asked last week for Mike. Um, what happens with the old facility and the maintenance? So that you have the work, work release facility. You've got the old facility there. And then last week, the question uh, for, for Bobby was, how do you pay for it? Once you build this new building, how do you make sure that we're not replacing again in 45 years? That's a good issue. I want to make yeah. sure that my son's taxes don't go up. Right. Just like my that, that's, that's going to be an issue. And it's, it's, we're in a transition period where the state's trying to throw the inmates back on us, which they have. The level level uh, six, six offenders, yeah. they threw them back on us. Now we have to pick up the expense for that. The current facility, as of today, when I was in the meeting, is, is 248 cells. Of that, there is rehabilitation program in there. Now, they we're not sure on the old jail and the workplace center of town. And there are an original intent, maybe converting one of those through grants into a rehabilitation center to help the community with the uh, uh, drug problem, op- opiate problem, and work from that angle. Now, we're working with uh, several of the rehab uh, providers here in our community now to just in discussions regarding that. We so, had to, so potentially keeping one of those buildings in the county inventory. That's possibly, yes. And funding is always going to be the issue. And through grants, though, we can resolve some of that. So We had uh, this discussion a while back on, on the show and <clears throat> came up with the idea that the county sells the old jail and converts it into a brewery for beer. There you go. Yeah. Don't you think that would make a good like little yes. brew pub area? That's, there you go. Make it like jail themed and stuff. That's keep, right. Keep up the razor wire and then turn the cells into like booths. Like right. Yeah. Be and if neat. you drink too much, we always got a place for sleep. Right. That's right. <laughs> true. Yes. You can sleep right. it off. And we got basketball courts inside. Well, you play basketball. You got room for activities. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's there you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, one last uh, last thing from the chat here that I'm watching, and then we'll we'll start to wrap up the show. I'm seeing a lot of folks talking about. July 4th from Memorial Park. I know the chamber, is it the chamber of commerce, Chris, that is responsible for the Memorial day parade. That is correct. And they, they had to pull the plug on, on that here in the last couple of weeks, any decisions made on July 4th fireworks and getting together. I know that's when the governor is trying to reopen the state is, is that, is that the commissioners? Is that the park board? Who's, who's going to be responsible for We decided at our last meeting, the, as the headlines in the Courier Times said, the Fourth of July is green is green lighted at this point. But here's here's the condition: it's still going, but we've got to monitor the numbers. And if in what the governor does, if the governor changes, the fourth will be off. Our alternate date is uh, Labor Day, which is September seventh. So if the county reaches stage five, July fourth, right. it can go forward as right. normal. Right. Okay. And, and each step, we will evaluate it. If we get to September. And we have hot spots on the virus and stuff, and we're, we're not we're going up. You know, we may have to continue it again. Public safety is the first priority. So, okay. And then um, one other thing that's been that was going on in the chat. Back to the jail conversation is: has there been a, any talk about reducing the amount of people in the jail, or either? So there's two ways you can go. You can reduce the number of people in jail by laxing, um, you know, like Marion County did. And we talked about this with uh, Joe, the 
county prosecutor, the amount of people that are charged with crimes, or where you come in as the executive branch of county government in, um, enforcing more ordinances or tightening down on crime, um, trying to get the council to approve budgetary funds for more um, sheriff's deputies or expanding Sorry, I spit on that one. <laughs> Expanding the amount of reserves. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I made it to you. I'm just we're we're right distanced. In, that's why you had the windscreen there. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're right. socially distanced. It's that's okay. Right. Okay. But m- maybe even expanding like the reserve program. Sure. I started out as a reserve officer, but. And then you just wanted the money. You had to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't much. I started out $8,600 a year. So if you're starting. Full time. Oh, hell, you that's go, your taxes now. That's right. If you go into law enforcement that for damn money, council. I think you're doing it for the wrong that's reason. That's right. The issue we're going to be dealing with now is it's going to take probably between 22 and $25 million for the new facility. And we're going to have to bond for that. Now, we had a plan. We still have the plan, but the... When the ju- the juvenile center was built, we've paid that off. Then we built the uh, justice center. The justice center bond goes off in 20, 2024, if not before. And that money will cost, if it's not re, I guess, directed, you know, that will lower the taxes at that point because that's property tax right. related. So the bond service goes, right, goes directly to property right. taxes. Now, some stuff you're referring to, there. When I was sure if we did it different, not being critical of anybody, I understand the philosophy. We had a setup where we did work release, community service, and the uh, offenders was able to earn days off of their sentence, and it helped reduce the uh, uh, people and the, the amount of people we had in the jail. We, we still had a lot, but they gave them some incentive and kind of tried to cause some of the do away with some of the problems and. That's where we're going to have to work with the community to do that because it's 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 a difficult thing and uh, they do some of it now, but it, it's community corrections and uh, community service. That's probably another entity that we need to work out. Hiring sheriff deputies is going to be hard at this point for enforcement because we have to evaluate the staffing at the new jail as compared to the old jail. Hopefully, it'll be less. Um, usually it's not less. So. Surely you've so, got you've got a number of other counties that have come about and built jails to, sure. to base that on, right? Rush County just down the road just right. built one. Right. Delaware County's moving right. into one. You've got new jails all over the state. Right. Adams County, I think, is the one that we're kind of basing our Adams uh, Decatur. Stuff, right? Yes. To and to work at the jail to be a a jailer, do you have to be a sheriff's deputy or is there? No, you're a special deputy. Okay. There's a difference between a. There's different levels of sheriff's department. There's merit deputies, that's mm-hmm. your enforcement officers on the road. Then you have right. your correction officers inside, and then you have your civilian control room uh, deputies. They're all deputized, but they're called special deputies. Okay, and and they have as enforcement powers, but not the same. Uh, I got you. Yeah, so yeah. there's different levels of it. I guess I didn't realize there was a corrections officers for the county jail. Mm-hmm. Right, and they have okay, to go cool. to training through the state through a certain. I think they have to go through school. I think it's three or six weeks. I'm not sure, and get certification as correction officers by state standards. It's almost a fifty fifty split in headcount, right? I mean, right. somewhere in that range between your road your road team and detectives versus the the in house staff. Right. Yeah. Anyway, and then we may have to put new more correction officers. We're selling a litigation lawsuit right now in the old jail till we get to the, the new jail. So that's. Something we have to reevaluate. So. 
All right. Let's uh, let's start to put a pin in the conversation and work our way through final thoughts and clean up anything that we've forgotten. Chris, I'm going to go over to you. Is there anything that we wanted to cover? You needed? Yeah. So there's there's one big thing. Um, <clears throat> as we know, Monday is Memorial Day. It's a somber event. Um, you should actually. Um, I just ask, and this isn't for every other veteran or anything like that. But Memorial Day is not for us. It is not for the ones that are still alive. It's for the ones that died. So please don't thank me for my service during that time. I don't like it at all anyways, but especially on Memorial Day, I actually get kind of angry and bent out of shape about it because that is not my day. I There is a day, Veterans Day, it's at a later point in time. But again, Memorial Day is for those that have died during their service. It's not for for us that are alive or those that came home and died. So, all right, Kim, uh, is there anything that we've, we've got to cover? Or do you think we, we got the, uh, the campaign, ca- think, yeah. the campaign covered the issues <laughs> and the, the, uh, the objects of the uh, era. Right. I just like to say that, uh, my objective at this point in my life is I've dedicated my whole life to the County and I love Henry County and I will continue to, Work eight hours, 12 hours a day for Henry County. I'm retired from the Sheriff's Department, and I'm not doing it for the money. I just want to make our community a good and great community, and with which we have what I call on the shirt, Henry County Pride. There you go. And, uh, we do have – I have pride, and I think a lot of people in this community does. And uh, we need to work together and try to get the controversy behind us and move on because it's a win-win for our community. If folks are interested in the campaign, how do they support you? Donate money. You're not doing the door-to-door thing because of the virus, but how you know, yard signs, how does that work? If they want a yard sign, they can call my number. It's 5450-332, 24 hours a day. I'll be glad to do <laughs> 24, de- call them at 2 in the money, morning. A long time ago, I've ran off office several times. I don't take money. I try to fund my own campaign. I always have. I won't say always, but in the last 20 years, I have. That way, I don't owe anybody anything, and I, that, that way, there's no sway, and I can say that money is not the issue to me on that. So. All right. Well, you know, there's a guy that I know of who's local in the county, and he puts together like uh, campaign signs, and he does social media ads <laughs> and things. This sounds like a sales pitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy's me. Oh, is that right? <laughs> hey, I was going to ask you a question. I was told to ask you this question. We're getting ready to put video equipment into the courtroom and stuff for it. And they told me to ask Uh-oh. you to help us do it. Yeah, well, I told so I told Bobby yeah. last week that it, if if she got elected, then she could handle the the Facebook Live and I'd handle all of the audio equipment. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So you gotta volunteer. There you yeah. go. You I would it. I would gladly volunteer. because um, we used to go to the to the courthouse and do the a lot of the council meetings right. and the commissioner meetings and things. But it's just, it's it's near impossible because of the... the to do it portable. Yeah. And, well, you, and going off of acoustics in the room. Yeah, just because uh, you're, you're, trying, you're trying to record, you're trying to live stream like we were, and no one could hear it. Right. So it was kind of a waste of time. Right. And so I would be, I would be happy to try to help any way that I could. Okay, well, I got the proposal sitting on my desk, and I was going to do it today. You have by far, by far more experience than I do. <laughs> if you want to stop up there and look at them and give us some recommendations, because we're at the point where we're ready absolutely to start. would. It's not, it's yeah. not something that's going to be terribly expensive, right. and you know it's it's. 
I mean, we have our setup here, and it's probably just $1,500 worth of equipment that we have sitting in this room to make the live stream happen. Right. You know, with well, the plus or minus, you know, of course, the laptop. Right. Well, we're doing audio, different. too. Yeah. And the, the, well, that's what I mean. Even with the audio. To improve the acoustics in the, yeah. in the room. I promise you it's more than $1,500 the bed we got. So yeah. You can look I, at I it. I assume. <laughs> yeah. So but I would, I would like you to come and look can, at it because the we, biggest thing, Kim, honestly, is just making sure that people use their microphones. Sure, and if you can take the audio away from the microphones, then you do away with the acoustic problems. Yeah. That's, that is the biggest thing. Right. Uh, I know from experience being in a multitude of meetings, not a lot of people use their microphones. <laughs> I, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> Matter of fact, you have to stop the meeting and say, would you please use your microphone? Yeah, and that that's an issue. Uh, if it but didn't, it's something if it didn't get set into out. a microphone, it didn't happen. That right. that could be the policy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. The uh, Anything else on your side? Yeah, I have a couple of final thoughts. Um, uh, first of all, I got a new roof. We talked about it a few weeks ago on the Patreon side. I really want to give a shout-out to uh, Mr. Sean Tabor. Um, with, uh, with Tabor home exteriors, he did a great job. I have a decent sized house and I have a, it's, I, it's average 8,000 square feet. It's not, it's yeah, not anything perfectly elaborate. average. It's very, very, it's right in its Iceland. <laughs> he, uh, he, he and his crew worked from, they, they got it done in a day and it's, uh, it's just a little over 2,500 square feet. Honestly, my house is, and it's, and there's a lot of hips and valleys. Um, I have a couple of skylights, legitimately, and they worked around it. Um, they did. They went above and beyond. You they were having pretty fantastic. You know, that's not my job. As the <laughs> you have the right to remain silent. That's it. <laughs> as, as far as I know, that's the contractor's responsibility. Oh, we've heard this before. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to argue that until I'm blue in the face. <laughs> we'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you later, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, though, Sean did a did an absolutely fantastic job. I couldn't be happier with them. Um, and then, um, oh shoot, I had a couple of other things that I was going to clean up here, but that's all right. I, I got one prepared, and if you remember it, come back. All at right. Me. Uh, we've been following the uh, the presidential. Uh, race and mm. Justin Amash yeah. had jumped in to the uh, jumped in running for the Libertarian National Convention uh, nomination. The <clears throat> the convention is Saturday. They're doing it online. It's all through Zoom because nobody can meet in person anymore. Uh, Justin Mosh dropped out on Saturday, so we've been covering that, covering that, covering that. He was the first uh, congressman in, in the uh, Libertarian Party, and uh, he dropped out. So uh, that was uh, that was unexpected. And uh, now they're going to pick uh, somebody. So there, there's, I think there were tokens that went in today. There's like eight people that are going to make the stage on five, on, five people, yeah. five people that are going to make the yeah. stage. Hornberger and I know Vernman, Joe Jorgensen, yeah, Jojo, John Mons, uh, Vermin Supreme. Yeah, he got the last one. He got the last one. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Vermin Supreme didn't make the last one though. So he's right on the cusp. Yeah, he's one hundo. He got yeah. one hundred tokens. Yeah, so apparently you, you vote. If you're a delegate, you vote based on, you know, you, you basically give a token, which is a, hey, I want this person on the stage. Are you to be in considered. on the joke? Uh, I am not in on the joke. That is uh, the... <laughs> That's the, the tagline now. Uh, if if that guy wins, he's, he's a non-starter. He and Amash, or, or, or he and... Uh, I watched oh, his Adam camp- Kopech. I watched are, are some of his campaign ads, and they are inspiring. But 
they would be more inspiring if he was an independent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I right, we'll see what happens. We'll, I guess the, uh, we'll know who the three, the three candidates in the country who are probably going to be on the ballots in all 50 States are going to be known by the end of the weekend. So, you oh. know, it's Trump, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's Biden and Creepy we're gonna know, you're going to know who the libertarian is. That's I, I know uh, what my other final thought was. Good. The apartment above Boss Hog Liberty Studios. Uh, Chris Guffey's renting that, I heard. Is he? Uh, not, not, not yet. Seemed final to me. It's, uh, it is for rent. We need a good neighbor. Someone who isn't stomping around upstairs every Thursday night. So uh, preferably just someone single. Or Chris Guffey. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just wanted to... Give a shout out to him. Yeah, Mike it's absolutely Rolls. beautiful. It is. He did a great job. You know, Mike has been a fantastic landlord for us. Mike and his, his cousin Scott, uh, they've been absolutely great. I know that they did a great job um, with all the renovations that they did in the studio. So I'm sure that they did just as good of a job upstairs as well. Very good. All right. With that, we uh, I think we'll thank Kim very much for, for joining us. Hopefully this wasn't too painful. You enjoyed yeah. it. We'll have you back again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll have to have you, uh, if you if you make it through the primary, we'll have to have you back again in, in, in the, the fall, fall with Chris Newkirk. That's fine. No, well, Newkirk is in the South. This is, oh, yeah. There, there is uh, no one filed. There, there is nobody it's filed so in, the, uh, yeah, in, the, in the middle district at this point. That's so correct. right now it's uh, Steve Dellinger and Kim for the middle district on the Republican side. Uh, no other candidates filed. There's still time. There's still another month to, well, two months to go before... The final ballots are known. Who's maybe there will be a libertarian challenger we'll have you sitting in here with. That's okay. You never know. <laughs> everybody everybody gets the interview for their job. That's right. Um, all right. With that, we will see you guys on Tuesday of next week. Monday is the, is the Memorial Day holiday. Tuesday, our plan is to have all four of the uh, Republican County Council candidates on. Uh, the Democrats, there are two candidates running for three spots, so they're all going to advance. So we're not going to go through the, the process this uh, this cycle. Uh, with them, but uh, our final uh, candidate series uh, event is going to be Tuesday night. I believe we have confirmed with all four of the county council candidates on that the is Republican side. So look for that Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. We'll see you all then. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network, and I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.